Hey gang, welcome back to Voices in My Head. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things before we start. I hope you've been enjoying Voices in My Head and all the guests that we've been having week after week on this podcast. And if you are, would you please go to iTunes and leave us a podcast review for this podcast. It helps us to gain visibility, it helps us to get more listeners, and it helps me to know what kind of shows you've been enjoying and what you'd like to hear more of. Secondly, if you're able to help out at all in the way of sponsorship, you can go to rickleejames.com or voicesinmyheadpodcast.com, click on the tip jar and sponsorship link, and you can find out there how to give to this podcast. Uh, And I don't like to just ask for something for nothing. So since it costs roughly $11 a show in order to produce this podcast, if you donate $11 or more, I'm going to send you a way to get 11 free songs that I've never before released. 11 free tracks anyway. Some of them are songs I've released, but these are like live recordings, and some of them are unreleased songs. Some of them are things that pertain specifically to the podcast you can't get anywhere else. They're not on CDs, they're not on iTunes, they're not on the internet anywhere, except with this code that I'm going to give you. So if you donate $11 or more, you get 11 tracks. So just my way of saying thank you, and I hope you'll be able to support us. Now, with that being out of the way, I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here at Voices in My Head. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick James and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Hello and welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number 47. I gotta tell you right at the outset of this show here that I had a great podcast conversation yesterday with an incredible singer, songwriter, artist, photographer, and uh, just a genuinely nice guy, Eric Peters. And uh, we're going to be airing that in just a few weeks. We're going to finish out this section on prayer. We're going to get into episode number 50 and do our big listener call-in show. And then you're going to get to hear the Eric Peters podcast. Now, Eric is one of my favorite lyricists. I'm fairly new to his music, but already I put him on the level with people like Rich Mullins and to if you know me that's one of the highest compliments I can give somebody as far as being an amazing singer songwriter lyricist so uh, you're going to want to listen to that episode in just a few weeks here do yourself a favor go to ericpeters.net and get some of his music I understand uh, from what he told me yesterday they're going to be offering some Christmas sales right after Thanksgiving so you want to make sure and go and, and take advantage of those deals he even has box sets available where you you can buy some and give them to family members for Christmas. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to go and help my buddy Eric Peters out. He's a great guy. Uh, and um, I guess I have nothing else to say about that right now. But since we're on the topic of our 50th episode, I want to remind you that in just a couple weeks here on December 14th, it's getting there very quickly, at 9 o'clock p.m., we're going to do our very first ever listener call-in show here for the Voices in My Head podcast. We're going to be doing it over Skype, 
Now, you can either use your Skype name and, and sync it with mine, which is Rick Lee James, or you can call in at 937-523-0542. Now, that's 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. I just wanted to make sure that you're not thinking, you know, if you live in California that you can call at 9 o'clock your time because we'll be done by then, hopefully. Uh, but 9 o'clock Eastern Time. If you can't be a part of that call-in show, please do this because I'd love to have your feedback. Uh, you can go to rickleyjames.com or the Voices in My Head Facebook page and vote for your favorite episode of Voices in My Head. I have an episode list cataloged of every guest that I've had from the beginning and uh, you're going to get to uh, vote on that and and we'll actually uh, maybe do a little prize for the winning episode, maybe for whoever the guest was that week. Maybe we'll try to get them back on the show. Uh Oh, and lastly, if you cannot call in at 9 o'clock p.m. on December 14th and uh, and you aren't able to vote, which I don't know why you wouldn't, um, make sure and do this if you can. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what your favorite episode was. Either write that in or call and just leave a message on our voice line at 937-505-0162. Again, if you were reaching for a pen, it's 937 937- Five zero five zero one six two. You call that and you'll get a message, and it will say, "Please leave a message for the Voices in My Head podcast," and we will have it played on the air. If you could leave a short message, if you aren't able to be a part of that listener call-in show, I'd love to be able to play it and just tell us what your favorite episode was, what you like about Voices in My Head. Uh, I, you know, whatever. It's a it's a fiftieth episode celebration, so please be a part of that. And lastly, before we get into question of the week and part two of my sessions on prayer from a couple weeks ago. Uh, I wanted to remind you, you can go to rickleyjames.com and they will there will be links there where you can buy my music. And I do have some Christmas music out. If you go to Noise Trade and look up Rickley James right now, you can get my Advent song, a duet that I recorded with Brandon Hancock. I wrote it with Ted Rastatter. Uh, it's going to be published through Lifeway. Uh, you can get that absolutely free right now as a download. And feel free to leave a tip if you want. It helps me out. I've got a child on the way. Uh, and uh, we can use all that we can get. But also, um, just a reminder that now through Christmas, all of my albums are available in digital form for four ninety nine at CD Baby. Uh, again, you can get links to all this um, by going to rickleyjames.com. I'm sorry if there's a lot of background noise on this. This is literally the day before Thanksgiving, and we're doing Thanksgiving with my wife's side of the family today, and I have laundry machines going behind me. I got things going on upstairs and all around and down, so apologize if there's extra noise this week. Uh, but anyway, with that being said, thank you for all your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the few of you out there who have been donating to the show. Uh, please, may your tribe increase. I'd love to keep these episodes coming. And uh, and Oh, and the DVD. Uh, it's being mastered still currently. I'm hoping to have that this week. And, uh, man, I'm still hoping for early January being able to get this new live DVD, Basement Psalms, out. So um, with that being said, let's move on to question of the week. Question of the week. Question of the week for this week was a Thanksgiving question. Does your family have any unique or downright strange Thanksgiving traditions, and what are they? Uh, and I don't know how uh, serious all of these were, but I'm going to read them anyway. Uh, some of them are pretty funny. We first had Kyle Northrup, and he says, Don't get stabbed with a fork. That's the game we play. So sounds like a dangerous Thanksgiving table. 
Ken Dixon, an old buddy from college, uh, wrote in and said, Who can catch the headless turkey after we chop the head off? Mom was best at it when she was younger. <laughs> and uh, I wrote and said, are these real? And Ken wrote back and said, you mean they don't do that up in Ohio? And then uh, I said, maybe I always uh, leave the start for uh, the state for Thanksgiving. Uh, could be that they do some weird things when I'm gone. And then Kyle wrote back in and said, uh, someone always comes close to getting stabbed at my house. Grandpa likes the dark meat on the turkey. Don't take it. He will defend his turf. Uh, Matthew Cole says, mom fixes two pans of dressing for Thanksgiving. One is for the table, the other is for me. So, Matthew, man, you've got a real uh, thing for dressing, I guess. So, uh, anyway, thanks for all these comments. I appreciate that. And uh, that has been your Thanksgiving edition of Question of the Week. And uh, Question of the Week for next week, I'll let you know when we get there because I haven't decided yet. But we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for playing, everybody. Question of the Week. Well, today is part two of a four-part uh, talk I did on prayer, and it's very interesting that I guess I would be talking so much at a prayer retreat, but I really was trying to get into what the Bible says about prayer and teaching us about prayer. Um, over the years, I have been trying to learn all I can and learn how to pray, I'm not saying I've got it down, but today, uh, section two, we talk a lot about how not to pray, and Jesus has a lot to say about what not to do when you're praying. He maybe has more to say about what not to do than what to do. And sadly, I think more times than not in our churches, in our life, we are actually doing more of what Jesus said not to do than what he actually says to be about when we are praying. So uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that this week. Next week's going to be part three. We're going to be talking specifically about the Lord's Prayer. And then part four, we'll be giving you some practical applications to help on this journey of prayer. And all of these messages end with the Eucharist. And I just wanted to let you guys know that if you're wondering what's going on towards uh, the end of these that's how we've been responding. That's how we responded at this retreat I was at and, and had the privilege of, of leading in Northwest Ohio. So uh, this is part two of my sermon, I guess we would call it, um, Teaching on Prayer, uh, from a conference I was at for the Northwest Ohio District Teens. So hope you guys enjoy it and have a very happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to this before Thanksgiving. If you're listening to it after Thanksgiving, then have a happy Thanksgiving next year in 2013. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to Voices in My Head. I hope you enjoy today's message. Bye. Good morning everyone. Welcome back for day two. How did you enjoy your, uh, your orange juice popsicles this morning? Were they good? I had an apple juice and mine was like a big chunk. It was very good. I felt like I could share it with someone. We could almost use it for communion. It was so hard this morning. But still, good breakfast. Good to be back with you guys today. Let me ask you guys something. How weird was that for you last night when we did the one word shalom prayer? Anybody think that was weird? Raise your hand. Okay, good. The whole room. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be a little bit strange to us because it's foreign. I wanted to tell you right off, and I, I kind of did that because... Those things do make us uncomfortable. They're supposed to take us out of our comfort zone. That actually is not some form of New Age praying. It's not like a you know. It's not like a Hindu prayer meditation thing. That's actually one of the most ancient forms of Christian praying. It's just sitting in the presence of God and just simply breathing 
Like we said, the, the word spirit is synonymous with the breath of God in Scripture. Literally, that is, we breathe in. It's a, it's a, even our breathing can become a form of prayer. That as we breathe in, we're again accepting the Lord into that moment. We're saying, you are the giver of life, the giver of breath. And as we say the word out, we're praying it back to Him. And it's one of the, the most beautiful, most ancient forms of prayer practices of the church. And we only, anybody want to take a stab at how long we did that last night? Take a guess. It was, it was two minutes and 18 seconds. I, I listened to it on the recording. By the way, you're on a podcast again today. It's being recorded, so be good. Um, hi. Everybody say hi to the podcast world. Hi. Thanks. I got about 5,000 people probably listening to you right now, so very good. Well, not right now, but whenever this goes out. People of the future, when they listen to the podcast. So. But you realize that the time we spent doing that short prayer last night is less than the time it takes for most television shows to do a commercial break. It was less time than that. And yet it felt like an eternity. It seemed like we were sitting in here forever. It was never going to end. That's how far removed we are from prayer. That's how far we move. The, the reason that we asked you this morning to turn off your cell phones just for the next little while together is because we want to do our best to put ourselves into a situation where God will just speak to us. Where we can allow Him to speak to us as a body together, as a group together. To breathe in His Spirit, to allow Him to acknowledge you are the Lord who gives life and to respond to Him. So we're going to do that again this morning, just briefly today. And we're going to say a one-word prayer, all right? So if you would, I'd like you to put your feet flat on the floor in a gesture of opening yourself to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit. Open your hands, palm up. And this morning, we're going to say an English word as we pray. As we breathe in, we're once again acknowledging that God is our source of life as we breathe in. We're acknowledging that He is the one that created us, that He is the one we depend on for life. And as we breathe out, we're going to say one word, mercy. That's it. Because we're praying to God for mercy for ourselves, and we're praying to God that we would be people of mercy. All right, so let's try it again together this morning. Let's just close our eyes. Let's take a deep breath together. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Mercy. Mercy.
be merciful to us today and help us to be people of mercy. As you have forgiven us, Lord, let us be people who forgive. Amen. Thank you for joining me together in prayer today. I want to start with a story this morning, and it's one of my very favorite prayer stories ever. A few years ago in a newspaper, this story was printed up. There was a big scandal and a controversy in this, in this city, because right next to a church was being built an adult club, like a strip joint, a lot of us maybe would call it. And it was causing a lot of problems to the church people, as you can imagine. You don't want that next to your house, you know, you don't want that next to your church. Not a very good thing for your community, that's not a very savory thing. So the church did what the church does. The church started having prayer meetings. And they started praying because the law was not helping them. The law said they had every right to build there and that they could move in and they had all the right papers and stuff. So the church went to prayer and they started praying, God... Do something to stop this somehow. Please, God, do something to stop this adult club from coming in next to our church. Please, Lord. And they would have these prayer meetings on a regular basis, and it was well known that this church was praying against this. The papers were reporting on it. And the night before this adult club was to open, they were just getting ready for the grand opening. Everything was all set to go. Lightning hit the club. It caught on fire, and it burnt completely to the ground. (laughs) The owner of the adult club was not happy about this, as you maybe could imagine. So he took the church to court, and he sued them. And he said it was their fault because they had been praying that God would stop that adult club from coming to the town. So he's blaming the church. Takes them to court. Church says, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. You can't, you can't sue us. So they're in this trial back and forth. The adult club owners, adamant, the lawyers are saying, yes, you guys did this. The church is saying, no, we didn't. And the outcome of the trial was, and it read in the papers that the judge said, well, one thing is certain. This adult club owner believes in prayer, but the church doesn't. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I'm not sure how often we believe what we're praying. I'm not sure how often we even know what prayer is. You remember the the definition of prayer yesterday, anybody? Just shout it out if you do. Yeah, responding to God by thoughts and by deeds, with or without words. If you can remember responding to God, that's, that's the big part of what prayer is. Because so often we just want to talk. We just want to say this. God, give me this. I need that. Thanks for the food. Amen. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Move on. But it's responding to God. And that's very important because there is Christian prayer that responds to God through Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then there's sinful prayer that says, Lord, give me what I want. I want this. I want that. Help me to have this. Let me have my way. So we're going to talk again about prayer this morning. And we're going to look at some specific instructions that Jesus gives on prayer. I don't know a better place to go than the one who tells us how to pray. So we're just going to look at scripture this morning. If you have Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. Actually, it's, uh, it's, it's Matthew 5 through 7. It's actually chapter 6 we're going to look at this morning. But 5 through 7 is this section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. 
And it's probably a little bit misleading to call it a sermon because it probably, you know, most historians and theologians tell us it probably wasn't just one sermon, all these teachings that Jesus gives, but it's sort of an encapsulation of everything Jesus taught kind of found in one place. So if you're wondering what Jesus really thinks about things, if you're wondering what Jesus thinks about killing, if you're wondering what Jesus thinks about loving your enemies, if you're wondering what Jesus thinks about prayer, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, if you were to spend the next year on just Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you would start thinking, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. All these things Jesus is saying are not necessarily matching up with what the church is doing all the time. And this is no slam against the church. The church is the, the kingdom of God set up on earth that He established for us. But sometimes we get off a little bit in where we're going. So in this sermon, Jesus gives specific instructions. He says, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, if you're one of those people who decided to come and accept my invitation, which is freely given to all, to receive forgiveness, to be a part of this kingdom. Last night, you were saying that. I was, I was so moved by all of you that said you want to be a part of this thing. And you came and you said, yes, Lord, I accept. And once again, we took Jesus in and we allowed him to live inside of us, to dwell inside of us. That's the symbolism there. But he says, if you want to be a guest at my table, if you want to continue being a guest at my table, if you want to continue in what this thing is called the kingdom of God, which doesn't start after you die, Jesus says the kingdom is among you. It's present. It's a real reality in this moment. He says, this is how you must live. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, we read this. And I want you to know that like so many other languages, English doesn't have very good equivalents sometimes. If we're to say the word you, like that word could mean a lot of different things. If I'm saying you, I could just be talking to one person straight. Like, hey, I need to tell you something. That doesn't mean I'm telling it to all of you. But then, if we say you, we can also mean it in the plural sense that is being said to all of us together. And most of the time when Jesus is talking about prayer, he's talking in the y'all thing. That's literally when I had Greek class in college. I did have it in Tennessee. But in Greek, they taught us when it's the plural you, the best translation is y'all. So Jesus was Southern, okay? That's, a, that's the, the lesson for today. So when I read this passage, I've, I've went through and done some translating so when it's a plural you, when it's a word that's spoken to all of us together, I'm going to say the word y'all. It's not going to say y'all in your scriptures, okay? But it's going to read that way when I read it this morning. And when it says you, this is a specific instruction to the individual. This is to the singular person. That's the way Jesus is phrasing this. So everybody get that? Y'all is going to be all of us. You is just to the individual, okay? Then that's how we need to hear it this morning. This is the word of the Lord. And when y'all pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell y'all, they have received their reward in full. But when you, singular, pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. For your Father... Y'all, y'all's father, I don't know how to say y'all in your, but for your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when y'all pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, 
For your father knows what y'all need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. The English betrays us sometimes because we always want to individualize everything. But mostly when Jesus is talking, there's only like one instance in that whole time when he's talking about prayer that he's talking to the individual. He is talking to the individual, but he's talking a lot here about what we do together as we pray. Worship is what this is talking about. Worship is not just music. And by the way, thank you for that great music this morning. Thank you for leading us. Aren't they great? Let's just thank them. Yes. Very good. But worship is much more than music. And Jesus is trying to get us to think in bigger terms. Worship is what we do when we come together communally. It's what we do when we pray It's what we do when we listen for the Word of God. Worship is also what we do when we leave this place. It's how we live our lives. It's a way of praising God. So we can do an act of worship when we're delivering newspapers. Because if we do it for the Lord, that's worship. We can do an act of worship if we work at a fast food restaurant. By the way that we do it, it's an act of worship unto our Lord. So Jesus is talking here about worship. And He's specifically talking about communal prayer when we come together as the body of Christ, just like we are now, to pray. And He starts out talking that way. And He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, what's a hypocrite? Anybody want to take a stab at what the word hypocrite means? Just shout it out. To be somebody that you're not. That's perfect. Thank you. To be somebody that you're not. The word hypocrite, if you translate it from the Greek, it comes out to mean an actor, a performer, like one wearing a mask, a pretender. So the best way I can think about it is like a stage actor. Somebody that you see in a movie or something. Like We all know that those people who are actors on the screen, that's not really who they are in real life, right? We get that, that they're playing a part, that they're playing a character. Well, Jesus is saying that we have a lot of characters in the church. We have a lot of people that want to play act and pretend like they're Christians. And people really love to do this because they love to get up and pray and act a certain way. But Jesus is saying when you pray, don't be like that. Jesus is telling us if you're going to follow God, you need to be authentic. We need more authenticity in the world today. We need more of it in the church. So to these pretenders, these hypocrites, these actors, what kind of things do they do? What kind of things does Jesus say? He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or the religious assemblies, the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Well, isn't that what actors do? Don't actors want to be seen? Like, I don't know too many actors that aspire to like, I'm going to be a famous Hollywood movie star just so I can stand in my room and act where nobody can see me. You know? <laughs> that, would be, that would be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, I know you go over lines, but actors want to be seen. They want to be on stage like I am now. They want to be up here. And, and I, I, I hope it's, it's why I get nervous sometimes when I come to speak and when I come to lead prayer because I want to make sure... I'm not just acting this out when I come together. It's a lot of responsibility. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners, just like actors in a show. That's what a hypocrite is. Jesus says don't be like them. 
I wonder sometimes when we come together to pray that way, both individually and communally, how often we're really talking to God when we pray. Let's think about it individually for a second, because this is one of the most overused slang words, and it drives me crazy. But how many times in a day do we say, Oh God. Oh God. Or sometimes people will put a damn it after it. Are we praying in that moment? Are we saying, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come? Are we praying to our Lord in that time? Are you really cursing something to an eternal hell by damning something? Is that what you mean? That you want that thing to be completely lost forever, away and apart from God? That's what it means. We don't even realize these are prayer words, that these are sacred words. These are holy words that we use in appropriate moments and appropriate times. And then when we talk about talking to God and listening to God in the assembly of people, how many times, and I've been guilty of this myself, but how many times have you heard a a person like me get up and pray and it feels like they're just talking to you with their eyes shut? You know what I mean? Like, it's a sermon with their eyes closed. Oh, Lord, we come together and pray today and ask you to do this because, point one, if you do this, God, then this will happen and blah, 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 and John will get better. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's really strange. It's a very difficult process when we come together. And I often wonder, and I, I try to check myself and say, Lord, help me to listen and respond to you today. And then Jesus is talking to all of us. We've so individualized, but Jesus is saying, when y'all pray together, he's saying, when you do this as a group, this is how you should pray and how you shouldn't pray. It makes me very cautious because what I see in this is Jesus wants us to have unity. The reason that maybe a one-word prayer like we did last night and like we did this morning might be helpful for us is did you notice our breathing As we breathed in and out together, even our breathing started to be the same. They have found that if you do that long enough, even our heart rates begin to start matching each other. As we say the words together, we begin to be united. We're saying one word together. If we can pray for mercy together, to be merciful people, to ask for mercy together, then we're starting to do what Jesus is talking about here. We're starting to be united in our prayer life. Minds hopefully not wandering 20,000 different ways. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you heard a prayer this good? Gracious Father, we pray for your holy church in all the world. Fill us with all truth and peace. Where we are corrupt, purify us. Where we are wrong, correct us. Where in anything we are incorrect, change us. Where we are right, strengthen us. Where we are in need, provide for us. Where we are divided, reunite us. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Savior. Amen. That prayer is a prayer for the church from one of the church's old prayer books called the Book of Common Prayer. You know, until very recently, in like the last couple hundred years, when the church would come together it would pray common prayers together. It wasn't just one person leading. 
It was the body together praying. And they would learn prayers. They would memorize prayers like that one. They would memorize prayers like the Lord's Prayer. And it's sort of like learning an instrument. These guys are good on their instruments. And, and I, I play music. And I can tell you, when I started playing guitar, I didn't start off playing Stairway to Heaven, you know. <laughs> I started off playing like... And it didn't sound very good and didn't get very good at all. But as the more I did it, the more I practiced it, the more it started becoming free-flowing. To where now, if I have a guitar in my hand, I can play guitar about as easy as I can chew gum. I don't even have to think about it sometimes. I can just play. I can just strum and just let it go. I can do stuff, and sometimes I'll be having a conversation. I'm not even thinking about it necessarily. That's sort of like prayer. It is a practice. We need to get into our mind that we, it's okay for us to start learning together how to pray, that Jesus has specific ways to do it. So often we pray not even knowing what we're asking. He's saying, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for their Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So don't keep on babbling like pagans. Well, what's a pagan? We know what a pagan is? It's not a word we use very much. It's a non-covenant person. Literally, it comes from this word, ethnikos where we get our word ethnicity or ethnic, different cultures, it literally means somebody who was not a Jew. Because the Jews looked at themselves as God's people. They were covenant people. They were holy people. They believed themselves to be chosen by God. And so they sought after God. And so literally, it's people who are unbelievers. People who, who don't worship God in the way they're talking about here. They're saying, don't be like pagans. Because Jesus said, when you pray, He knows everybody's going to pray one way or the other. But he says, but when you pray, don't pray like them. When you're in the assembly, when you all are together, don't go on and on and on and on and on. Be united in your prayers together. We could call pagans non-Christians if you want to put a, a modern spin on it. Uh, they, they babble, it literally says, they, they go on, they keep repeating unnecessarily. They use lots of words, but they say very little. They just babble and repeat but not a lot of actions get done, sort of like a politician. Kingdom people, on the other hand, people who've accepted the invitation are to be, I'm going to throw a word at you, contemplative people. Contemplative. Can you say it with me, boys and girls? Contemplative. It's a good word. It means to be thoughtful, to be slow to speak, to be quick to listen, to not be reactive. We are very reactive people. What happens if somebody starts shouting at you? You want to shout back, don't you? Somebody comes at you, you want to go back at them. To be contemplative is to think it through. Jesus was very contemplative. He was very thoughtful. Jesus reacted, but he was not reactive. He didn't just, whenever somebody would come to question him, he would think about it and he'd say, well, let me ask you a question about that. Let's think through this together. Let's reason together on this. I want to share a letter that was just written, I think, like two weeks ago from a very non-reactive, contemplative person. I don't know what this person's faith is. I don't know if they're a Christian or not. But i got to tell you, it's one of the most Christian responses that I've ever seen. And it humbled me. I was in tears 
I may get teary today reading this. But there's a lady that maybe some of you have seen on TV. She spews a lot of hate and she says a lot of stuff just to get a rise out of people. Her name's Ann Coulter. And she, she said something, and, and all of us, now I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not dogging Ann Coulter or anybody like him. Some of you probably have not even heard of her. But she can be very quick to speak and very reactive. And after a debate the other night, and, and this is not getting political, I don't care what your politics are, but she sent out a Twitter post, and, and I think she called President Obama a retard. She just did. She called him a retard. There was no respect in it. And this letter was written in response to that. I want you to hear this letter in the spirit it was written in as a beautiful contemplative response. Dear Ann Coulter, come on, Miss Coulter, you aren't dumb. You aren't shallow. So why are you continually using a word like the R word as an insult? I am a 30-year-old man with Down syndrome who has struggled with public perception that an, intellectually dis an intellectual disability means that I am dumb and shallow. I am not either of those things, but I do process information more slowly than the rest of you. In fact, it has taken me all day to figure out how to respond to your use of the R word last night. I thought first of asking whether you meant to describe the president as someone who was bullied as a child by people like you, but rose above it to find a way to succeed in life as many of my fellow Special Olympians have. Then I wondered if you meant to describe him as someone who has to struggle to be thoughtful about everything he says, as everyone else races from one snarky soundbite to the next. Finally, I wondered if you meant to degrade him as someone who is likely to receive bad health care, live in low-grade housing with very little income, and still manages to see life as a wonderful gift. Because Miss Coulter, that is who we are, and much, much more. After I saw your tweet, I realized you just wanted to belittle the president by linking him to people like me. You assume that people would understand and accept that being linked to someone like me is an insult, and that you assumed you could get away with it and still appear on TV. I have to wonder if you considered other hateful words that recoiled from the backlash. Well, Miss Coulter, you and society need to learn that being compared to people like me should be considered a badge of honor. No one overcomes more than we do and still loves life so much. Come, join us someday at the Special Olympics. See if you can walk away with your heart unchanged. Sorry. And he signed it like this. A friend you haven't made yet. John Franklin Stevens, Global Messenger, the Special Olympics, Virginia. When I read that, I thought, what a beautiful contemplative way to meet confrontation. What a person meant an insult. And, and to close it in that way. To literally love your enemies in that way. To say, you're a friend I haven't made yet. To be contemplative, to think thoughtfully about what we think and say and pray. We aren't to be babblers like the pagans. We aren't to go on like the hypocrites and play actors. We need to wait and listen and let God show us how to respond and how to be formed by His gospel. What if we actually prayed together? 
What if we actually united together? Historically, prayer has been done together. We've only privatized it recently. But Jesus does have something to say to those of us who do pray in private. There is a private matter. And he talks briefly about that. He says, when you pray privately, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think one thing Jesus is pointing out to us is the difference between public and private prayer. The way we pray in public should guide how we pray in private. Now, there was a guy in college I went to school with. Just two quick stories. I'm almost done. but um, I don't want to tell you his name. But we started these prayer meetings when I was in college. And so every night it was literally just supposed to be a refreshing break. Because college is difficult. It's hard. And the idea was to take maybe 15 minutes out of our day to come together. We were just going to meet in a group and just pray together. To just kind of allow God to speak to us again. So we started doing that. For about a week, it was great. For about two weeks, it was still pretty good. And then we had this one guy start coming to our group. And he was training to be a preacher, but he never came to class. <laughs> he was too busy praying, he said, to come to class. He was too busy going out preaching on street corners to come to class and learn. And he came to our prayer meetings at night, and he would start praying. And where the rest of us were kind of together, trying to pray in unity, we'd hold hands, we'd be in a circle, and he'd start praying, Oh, God! Oh, God, be with us today! And I'm not kidding. He would start yelling like that in the middle. Oh, we need you! Oh, God, come be with us! And he was a big guy, and he would, like, yank on his hand, and the whole group would go, like, <laughs> like together at the same time. Oh, God, we need you! And he would, like, start getting on his knees, like, while we're holding hands in the prayer group. And he'd start praying, and, like, moving around, and we're still holding hands. I'm like, what do we do, you know? And we're trying to, to move along. Oh, God, do this! And he would go on and on. One night he prayed for an hour and a half, screaming like that. I was in charge of the group, and I was the only one left when we were done. It was not refreshing. It was not uniting. It was horrible. When you pray together, pray together. When you're by yourself and you want to go into the room and scream and do that to God, go to your room and do that. Feel free to babble all you want when it's just you and God, but when you're together... Learn unity. I was here at a Nazarene camp meeting just a few years ago. I don't remember the speaker's name. It's not important. But every morning at camp meeting, they would have this time of prayer together. It was refreshing. It was something I really looked forward to. For years, I would come, and about 7 o'clock in the morning, we would pray together right here. Alders would be along the front. It was usually about six or seven people they were older people usually. And this one year, Scott Williams was with me. He says he doesn't remember this, but I remember it vividly. We walked in, and we're getting ready to pray, and the speaker for the week came in, and he wanted to pray with us, which was great. So we went to our normal prayer time. We all gathered around, we got on our knees, and we started praying. And what started is silence immediately because this gentleman was with us, started turning into, 
Oh God, we come before you today. We just ask, Lord, you would help us to do that. The homosexuals are bad. The good bad. And and next thing you know, we couldn't hear. Like another person would try to pray out, and he would get louder. Oh God! Oh, I see that hand, hand, going once, twice, three times, three times, four, four. And we get louder. And at one point, somebody else was praying too loud. So he started going, Woo, God! Woo, God! No, 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 And Scott and I got up and left. And I think Scott said, I cannot pray with that idiot screaming in there. Now, now please understand me. I, I know it's an old-timey way of praising, of praying. You know, I'm not trying... Those are the people I want praying for me. I, I, I'm seriously not trying to in any way talk badly about them. But that's not the way Jesus wants us to pray together. He actually did use words. It wasn't just babbling like I was just then. But for all that we could take in, that's all we were hearing. And we couldn't focus because this one person needed to stand on the street corner to be seen by all. And to be loud and to overcome and show their good works. Jesus just says to that, you've already received your reward in full. Praying together, our praying is meant to keep others in mind. Jesus' desire, I believe this fully, is that we would be united. On election day, I had the privilege of leading worship music at a, uh, a communion service in the evening. And it had nothing to do with politics. We, actually, the slogan was, where politics divide, communion unites. Where we come together and unite. And it was so refreshing, where the world was yelling at each other and fighting with each other and screaming back and forth and nobody was listening. It was a beautiful moment of unity that night for all of us to go, oh, let's just focus on Christ tonight. One story from Scripture Luke chapter 18, in verses 9 through 14. There are two characters in this story that Jesus is telling on prayer. There's a man that's a Pharisee and a man that's a tax collector. Now, a Pharisee, Pharisees get a bad rap, okay? We, we, we usually talk terribly about Pharisees because Jesus doesn't have a lot of good things to say about them. But this is who the Pharisees were. They were a group of concerned religious people. They were scared that their values were going to be stolen away from them. So they became a reactive holiness movement. They cut themselves off from other people in the world. In many ways, they're similar to the Church of the Nazarene. I'm not saying that in a bad way, the Church of the Nazarene, but in many ways, there are similarities there. It reminds us of a danger if we're not careful. And they became more about rules and regulations. There were people who thought they could regis le legislate morality. They would sound the call in the morning for prayer. And on the Sabbath, the person who had the horn, the horn was heavier than the amount of weight that they were supposed to carry once the Sabbath would happen. So immediately when they sounded the horn, so the Sabbath would begin, well, regulations say you can't carry more than a certain amount. So you immediately can't carry that horn anymore because the Sabbath has started. Legalism. It would be too much work to tie your apron with two hands, 
So you've got to use one on the Sabbath to tie your apron. Which I think is a lot more work, to be honest. But they lost the heart of what they were intended to have. We can easily lose the heart of what God is calling us to if all we focus in on is the rules. So there's a Pharisee in this story. And so for our purposes today, when it says Pharisee, I'm going to call him the Nazarene. Okay? Because we have that danger. And in the other story, there's another character called the tax collector. Now, a tax collector was a traitor. He worked for Rome, a pagan country, who had taken over Jerusalem. They'd taken over their temples, they'd taken over their homes, they'd taken over their land. And so to work for Rome meant you were a traitor. You were not welcome. And so, I'm going to call this tax collector a traitor. Hear the words of Jesus this morning. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Nazarene and the other a traitor. The Nazarene standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this traitor, this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income, but this traitor, the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down home to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. For all the times we've been hypocrites, for all the times we've been play actors, for all the times we've been pretenders and pagans, this morning we're just going to pray as we come together to this table again, accepting his invitation, the same prayer that that traitorous tax collector prayed that, that says helped him to go home righteous. God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's our prayer this morning. God be merciful to me, a sinner. And in that spirit, we're going to come to the Lord's table. But let's take a moment just to pray that together. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's say it together. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Hear our prayer, Lord. We have prayed for mercy. We pray you would have mercy on us. And we pray you would let us be people that show mercy. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. As we come to this table, Lord, we say yes. We accept your mercy. We accept your forgiveness. And Lord, we also say we will forgive others and be merciful to them. God be praised forever and ever in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And our prayer for communion this morning is 
Be present. Be present, O Jesus, our great high priest. As you were present with your disciples, be known to us in the breaking of bread. You who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. So if you're coming today, if you're willing to come and accept, we'll do just like we did last night in the quiet of this moment with the prayer of our heart being, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Won't you come if you're going to come and join us this morning? And it was a beautiful sight about that point to be able to see something like 250 teenagers uh, and adults come forward uh, to receive from the Lord. So uh, I hope you've been enjoying these talks on prayer. Next week's going to be part three. There's only uh, two segments left on that, but I I hope you're finding it helpful. I found it helpful in studying, and I'm still um, learning how to pray, so I don't think I have all the answers. But uh, may you enjoy the great thanksgiving the eucharist which literally means thanksgiving and uh, may you enjoy the great thanksgiving with the family of god uh, in this holiday season have mercy on us O lord for we are sinners and we pray for your mercy pray for your mercy in the world we pray you'll help us to realize where we have been wrong where we have harmed others um, and have your way in our lives lord let us be people like christ All right, I'm going to leave it with that today. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. Blessings. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, You can give me suggestions for future shows. You can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.